0: Welcome to The Cheryl Shields Show, where we help teachers live healthier and happier lives. All righty, welcome to The Cheryl Shields Show. This is my very first show. I am so super excited to have Michelle Woodward here with me. She is one of the most amazing life coaches in the world. Um, She has great experience. She's worked in the Reagan White House. She talks to people all over the world and coaches them, and um, she's just a premier life coach. So she is here today to talk to us about bullying in the workplace, and she's an expert on this. Um, If you want more information about bullying in the workplace and and to hear a longer recording, I'm going to put the link in um, our show notes because she did an excellent show for the um, or podcast with the um, uh, Harvard Business Review. How long ago was that, Michelle? That was in 2014.
1: Wow. Really? It was that long ago? I know. Just yesterday. Wow. Wow.
0: And it's, it's still relevant. And that was about an hour long program where um, there were over 6,000 people on the call.
1: Right. It was um, unbelievable, and then you know we broke the Q and A platform three times. Oh my gosh! During that webinar, and then subsequently, it's gone on to be one of the most listened to podcasts or webinars that they've had over at Harvard Business Review. So it's both good and it's also bad to think that that's the topic that gets so much attention.
0: Yeah, and it's so prevalent prevalent in schools. And the purpose of the podcast is to help teachers live healthier and happier lives and to help them realize that if it's not working for them anymore, that they can do other things. And so um, I knew when I was thinking of people that I wanted to have on the podcast, your name came up first. And um, especially because I was reading a report when I was writing my book a couple of years ago, and it was saying that 60 percent of teachers report being bullied. And I don't think that's accurate. I think it's a hundred percent.
1: Well, the thing is, my and you may not know this about me. I mean, and I think the listeners should know. First of all, two things: one, you and I have been friends pretty get, We're getting close to ten years now. Yeah, yeah. And I actually remember the first time I ever met you in person. And for the listeners who've never met Cheryl in person, Cheryl has an amazing magnetism. Oh wise eyes, and the kind of kindness that just exudes from every pore. So if you were to meet Cheryl Shields, you would also remember the exact same moment that that ever happened. But um, my mother was a career teacher. My grandfather and my grandmother were also career teachers. So um, I kind of feel like I got that in my bones. The problem with For teachers is they can be bullied by other teachers. They can be bullied by administrators. They can be bullied by parents. And depending on what age your kid you're teaching, you can actually have children that are bullying too. And, you know, in that webinar I did for Harvard, Cheryl, I defined bullying as as a bully is somebody who wants to um, prevent you from doing your job and undermine your sense of self. So, anything that's not that is various degrees of annoying and perplexing and right. unpleasant. But actual bullying is when somebody's trying to undermine your sense of self and also trying to keep you from being able to do your job. Okay. So, let's put that definition out there on the table as we talk about bullying. Perfect.
0: Perfect. Because I've seen it. I mean, I've had students that tried to bully me. And of course, you know, that didn't go over too well. And I've seen um, students bully other teachers. And we had to have a conversation about that. And I have seen firsthand administrators bully teachers. And that is the absolute
1: worst. It's the worst because it's the administrator who should have your back. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, in gaslighting, you know, the, you know the term gaslighting, but for, for the people who are listening, gaslighting comes from this old movie where a guy marries a girl and then he's after her money. Mm-hmm. So he begins to try to convince her that she's crazy and that the name of the movie is called Gaslight, and so the psychological term has become gaslighting. Yeah. And there is a part of bullying, which I imagine happens in schools all the time, you'll have to tell me, but it is when someone says, Oh, it's not that bad. Oh yeah. Oh, you know, you you the kid could not possibly have thrown a chair at you. Oh right. Or you know, the administrator you right. know could not possibly be that bad. Right. Your experience is your experience. Yeah. Right. And anybody who tells you on any count that your experience is not val- is not valid. Is that, that's a form of bullying, in my mind. What What do you think, Cheryl?
0: No, I totally agree with that because that's exactly what I've seen. You know, and then students would say certain things to me that were really rude and disrespectful because they got a bad grade. I had a, a student once call me a fucking bitch <laughs> mm-hmm. because he got a thirty out of three hundred on a research paper, and I was kind of stunned at first that he did that and then everybody in the classroom is looking at me and I'm like okay so how can I handle this? Am I going to curse him back? Am I going to say something really mean to him? And I just kindly smiled and I said listen that's not nice so you get to apologize and he was like no 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 you are a fucking bitch and I was like okay well listen this fucking bitch is getting ready to send you to the dean's office so picked up the phone called the dean they came took him away you know so it happens It happens. And if you are not aware of what is happening or if you just try to placate it or laugh it off or not address it, then it's going to happen again.
1: So the first thing you have to do is really take a hard look and understand exactly what's happening and not just say, you know, this is this is a really difficult situation. There's nothing I can do about it, you know, to really step back and, and own that A person, when a person is trying to destroy your sense of self or prevent you from doing your job, that that is actually bullying, right? You have to label it. You have to know it. And then the second thing you have to do is step back and look and see what's your part about it. Because this is the hard thing. Like, I don't, I'm not victim blaming. This is not it. But let's just say you're a highly sensitive person, Mm -hmm. right? And let's say that that you also have a value around collaboration and collegiality. A lot of people have that value. Yeah. So you're a highly sensitive person. You have that key value. You know, you need to understand I'm a highly sensitive person and I'm in a situation where I believe this person's trying to destroy my sense of self. If I wasn't a highly sensitive person, would I have the same reaction? Right? Right. Because sometimes there are cultures that form. Uh, The example I always give is like you watch a group of guys playing a pickup basketball game Mm -hmm. and they're calling each other every name under the sun. You know, they're, they're, they're belittling each other. They're calling names Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But at the end they shake hands and go get a beer together and nobody takes it seriously. So you, what you need to understand is maybe you're a highly sensitive person, but maybe you're also in a culture Where people swear more than you're used to. Right. Or maybe they're more abrupt and abrasive. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Maybe they they yell at each other. And you have to understand, is it me or is it the culture? Because if it's the culture, then you can't change the culture generally by your own self. Right. Right. All you can do is change your reaction to it or change your location. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's that's the way you deal with it.
0: Yeah. And working in schools, you have all different types of cultures depending upon who the principal is. I mean, in my 18 years, I had six different principals and they were all very different. Right. And so some were a lot more laid back. Some were very in your face. They wanted certain things at certain times right now. No, yesterday. Um, And so, yeah. Yeah. And so some people really were afraid of them. And they were they thought that they were bullies when I'm like, no, that's just kind of how they are. Right. Because they're not being mean. They're not coming just to me or to the English department or the math department and saying you guys are idiots and you don't know what you're doing and you're all going to be fired. They didn't pick on one specific group. That's just how they were with everyone. So getting to understand that um, can be difficult for people like you say that are that are highly sensitive.
1: And, you know, we labor, I think, as, as a people, right, we labor under this misconception that if we could just string the right words together, we could confront the bully Yeah. and string the right words together, and the scales would fall away from their eyes, and mm-hmm. they would say, my goodness, you're absolutely right. I have been a jerk yes. for, oh, so many years. Truth is, that's not going to happen. No. But if you have an opening with somebody who is bullying you, And you can basically give them the indication that you're not going to play. A lot of times the bully will move on to somebody who will play. In other words, a bully is sometimes looking to have any kind of engagement, even negative negative engagement. And if you basically show them that you're not going to play, sometimes they'll move on. Have you ever seen that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Without a doubt.
0: Yeah. I mean, because like I said, with students, I've had students who were just the best students with me. And then other teachers would say, um, how do you get that person to do their work? Right. And I said, we just have a conversation. And they were like, they're not mean to you. I was like, oh, they were. <laughs> and then we stepped out in the hall and had a little conversation. <laughs> and right. then I told them what would happen if they continued to act like that. And then they didn't. And mm-hmm. they were like, well, what did you say? I said, well, it, it just, it depends. It depends on the situation. So at that point in time, the one student I was teaching and he was yelling across the room, hey, my homie over there, what's happening? What you doing at school today? And I was like, excuse me? He was like, hey, don't bother me. I'm just I'm I'm just, you know, trying to talk to my boy over there. And I was like, no, 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 no. Don't bother me. I'm just trying to teach. And he was like, well, I think my conversation is more important. (laughs) Wow. And I laughed and said, let's just take this in the hall. And I told him. I I was very kind and respectful, and I think that's that's um, that may be a way in which to quell a bully. What do you think?
1: Well, it can be, but basically saying because they're looking for an advantage, they want to destroy your sense of self. Got it. And when you show them that your your self is fine and dandy, thank you so much. Yeah. um, And and you're not going to get any traction here. A lot of times they change their behavior and they, you know, they move uh, they move on. The thing that I wanted to say about culture. Is that you also have to understand the culture because you have to understand how it's affecting you. So if you've got a a culture that springs up that's um, hateful, bullying, mean spirited, unkind, you know, if you're in the midst of that and you can be conscious of it, you can also look at yourself. For instance, have you adopted any of the kind of behaviors that would undermine somebody's sense of self okay. or prevent them from doing their job? We owe it to others to look to ourselves too, and see where we may have adopted these kind of behaviors. Because sometimes if you're living in that environment, you kind of soak it up like a sponge. Okay. okay. You know what I
0: mean? Yeah. No, that makes, that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense Um, because when you think about bullying and it's not just teachers being bullied, it's also teachers being bullies. Yes. And that's the absolute worst because students don't respond to that.
1: Well, and also for some, depending on the age of the student, you know, it kind of marks them for the rest of their academic career. Yeah. You know, if you just say what, you know, what are you a loser? You can't figure this out. Right, right. That's not good. Right, <laughs> this is right. not good. Right, or if you're right. bullying your your co- colleagues, mm-hmm. your peers. I mean, in other words, if there's only one promotion, and you go around stabbing each other in the back to get the promotion, that's not also not good. Right.
0: I've seen lots of that as well. As I'm sure a lot of our listeners have as well. If They've worked in the uh, school system because I never knew going in how political it was. I'm thinking, You're you right. just teach. And I was just a sub at that time. I'm like, I'm just here to substitute teach um, and to just learn who, how the school culture works because my daughter was a kindergartner and I didn't know who these people were that would be around her all day. And so I was, you know, a really helicopter parent at that time. And I just wanted to know who are these people. And a friend said, go sub. And I was like, what? She was like, go sub. You'll get to know a lot, probably too much. And Mm. that was true. So.
1: (laughs) So. So what about the office politics in the um, in teaching? You know, when I was a kid was a different time, of course. But I, I, whenever I went into the teacher, the faculty lounge, the uh-huh. teacher's lounge, well, first it was filled with cigarette smoke. Yes. But second of all, I, I felt like I was in like a really, you know, special space because students were not allowed in there. And I was a kid of a teacher. but. Tell me about the office politics in among among teachers among faculty.
0: Well, when I was like when I went back to school to get my certification to teach full time, um, one of the first things that I was told was don't go into the teachers lounge. And I was like, why? Isn't that where you eat? Isn't that where you hang out? Right. Isn't that where the colleagues are? Isn't that where you build friendships? And they were like, well, yes, it's, it can be all of those things, but it can also be a cesspool of gossip. And it can also be where teachers' characters are maligned. Um, But more importantly, it was where students' characters were maligned. And Uh. so I would sit there sometimes and eat, and I would eat in silence. And they were like, wow, you're awfully quiet, and you're normally very verbose. (laughs) And anyone who knows me knows that to be true. And um, I would say, because you guys are being mean, Mm -hmm. And of course, everyone would gasp like I just called them really horrible names. And they were like, what do you mean? I said, you're talking about students that I have in my class and I don't know them to be that. Mm -hmm. And of course, then, you know, they would try to say things to me to hurt my feelings. But it didn't matter what they said because I knew what they were saying were lies. And they would say things like, well, he's not like that with you or if it was an African-American student or Hispanic students, they would say, well, those kind of students better relate to people like you. And then oh, I, wow. I would call them on it. I was like, well, what do you mean by that? I don't understand. And they would say, well, you know, the black students, you speak their language. I was like, you're right. Because we speak a different fucking language. Right.
1: Right. Right. Well, they because would, you use the word like verbose. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. exactly. Exactly. And so I would just, help them to understand that it's it's all about relationships. And then later after I became a life coach and um, then I would teach classes because they wouldn't let me teach like classes on how to reduce stress and other things that teachers really needed. So I had to teach secret classes. And so one of my class uh, classes that I taught was um, how to be an effective classroom manager. And basically what I did was help teachers look at themselves first. So if I'm having a problem with Johnny, What is it that I hate most about Johnny? So they had to write that down. And then they had to write down, how are they exactly like Johnny? (laughs) That's perfect. And so when they got to see themselves in that mirror, then they realized, okay, I hate him because he projects all these qualities about myself that I don't like. And then they had the task of having to go back and build a relationship with Johnny, have a conversation with Johnny. I said, I'll see you next week. And in that week, I need you to have at least three conversations. And they were like, what? And I was like, yeah, you got to build a relationship. So maybe you comment about Johnny's shoes or maybe you ask Johnny just some random ass question, you know, like, Hey Johnny, um, how's your morning? (laughs) Right. Hey Johnny, um, what's your favorite food? I said, and it has to be directed just to that student, maybe go stand out in the hall. So when Johnny walks in, you can have this conversation and it's going to seem really weird to you. Johnny's going to be flabbergasted about this whole conversation. Um, and so they did it and they came back and they were in tears. Wow. And they were like, um, yeah. One teacher told me that she had these two girls in her first period of class with the Spanish class. And they would sit on opposite ends of the room, of course, because they would talk if she sat them next to each other. And then um, every day, you know, one would start and then the other one would pick it up. And then they would volley back and forth throughout the whole class period. And it drove her crazy. So I said, OK, pick one of the girls. She picked the girl um, and then the girl came in and she said something to her. And, you know, the first day she looked at her kind of crazy. And the second day she said, don't you have siblings? And she said, yeah, I have little siblings. She was like, wow. How many? And she's like, three. And She's like, well, where do you fall? The girl said I'm the oldest. And she was like, oh, OK. Mm-hmm. And then the next day um, the girl came to class and she said, um, so do you have sisters or brothers? And she said, I have a sister and two brothers. And since I'm the oldest, you know, I have to make sure that they get to school. Sometimes that's why I'm a little late. And she was like, oh, why do you have mm-hmm. to do that? Because your mom works. And she said, no, my mom has cancer. Oh, wow. And so I have to kind of be the mom. And that's why I get the school aid. And she was like, oh, my God. And she gave the girl the biggest hug. And the girl hugged her back. And she said, if there's ever anything I can do to help you, just let me know. I mean, you being late, don't worry about that. I'll catch you up. I'll make sure everything's okay. But, you know, but you got to talk to me about this. You know, you got to let me know. I wish that I had known. She said from that moment forward, that was it with the volume back and forth. Um, So since girl A didn't say anything, the other girl initiated And so then she said to her, we don't do this anymore. Mm. And that ended it. Mm. And so, you know, I would just try to help teachers to understand that, yeah, you can say you hate them. Yeah, you can say you don't like them. Yeah, you can say whatever you want to say about students, but but that's not good, and they feel it. And so then they're going to make your life horrible.
1: So the worst parent-teacher conference I ever had as a parent was kindergarten, my son's kindergarten teacher conference where the teacher said in an exasperated voice, I think the things that's the worst is he reminds me so much of my ex-husband. <gasps> wow. Honestly. And I remember looking at my then husband, who's now my ex-husband. And I remember looking and thinking, this cannot be good for our five-year-old. No. You know what I mean? No. So right. um, that woman left teaching at that year, good. but, but, but you're absolutely right. We all do that. We all project you know, and and we identify types and connect them with others. So that was brilliant uh, coaching on your part. You know, the the thing you mentioned about gossip. I just want to touch on gossip for a second. Gossip can be really super fun. Yeah. But I have the guideline that if I wouldn't say it to someone, mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. say it about. Them. And whenever I gossip, I would. I often think, how would I feel if somebody was saying this about me? Yeah. Now, if somebody says, "Hey, did you hear that? So and so has cancer," and and the person's response is, "Oh my goodness, how can we help?" Right. I don't think that's gossip, right? It's right. like it's really like, okay, how do we marshal our resources to support this person? Mm-hmm. But it you really do have to to think about what am I about to repeat and what's my point? Yeah. Yeah. And if your point is again to destroy somebody else's sense of self Mm -hmm. or prevent them to be able to do their job by reporting that gossip, you are actually becoming a bully. Wow. And if you wouldn't say it to the person's face, you do not have any right to say it to another soul unless it's in that way that we're going to, you know, support and hold this person up. Yeah. Yeah. The only caveat i have to that is if somebody is breaking the law okay and you want to talk to a trusted friend and say i think i've witnessed something where somebody's breaking the law in whatever way the breaking the law looks okay and you can sort that out and then do whatever's appropriate but again if you wouldn't say it to them don't say it about them and if you're do if you're repeating it to destroy somebody or prevent them from doing their job then you've gone into the bullying ranks yeah
0: so what are some um, quick tips that um, teachers and anyone else who's listening to this fabulous podcast can do in order to deal with
1: bullies? Well, first, um, if the bully is your boss, um, you know, the first thing to do, like Maya Angelou fam- famously said, you know, when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. Yeah. Great. So, When someone routinely shows you who they are, don't think they're going to grow out of it. Don't think that you can put some words together to make them, to make them, um, stop. Um, it just, you know, accept that this is who them, who they are and see what can I live with and, and, or do I need to leave this job? If the person's not your boss, one thing that you can do is you can at some point go to that person's boss or to, depending on your HR department, you might go to the HR department with very specific examples of it's not he's mean to me. It's he excluded me from these five meetings. Got it. He did not copy me on my performance evaluation yet sent it around to eight different people. Okay. You know, uh-huh. so you're very, very, very specific. Um, and, and again, I think a lot of times when I work with clients around, uh, you know, their career, their jobs, their work, a lot of times what I see is people stay too long in a job because we want that connection of colleagues, friends, family, yeah. however, you know, we want yeah. that belongingness mm-hmm. and the the sheer number of people, Cheryl, who have said to me, Oh my gosh, I wish I'd quit five years ago. Oh yeah. And so if you feel like maybe I need to think about quitting, like I've tried everything, then you probably really should quit and you should probably do it as quickly as you possibly can. The thing when people say to me, yeah, you know, I've been putting up with this abuse for five years. Why? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And a lot of teachers stay a lot longer than they should for the pension.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I get that. But, you know, you could also go to a different school. Of course. Or a different role where you're put out of the contact with that bully and keep your pension. So it's like why subject yourself yourself to continuing abuse when there's something you can do about it, which is leave the situation. Perfect.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's a really big thing because I've seen it. I've seen teachers, you know, being bullied and they just felt that they had no recourse. And I was like, you know, we have this thing called a union. (laughs) yeah right you know well I don't want anybody to be upset okay so your personal well-being means nothing
1: well but you know what it is it's I mean and you see this all the time in your coaching work I'm sure it's that people are like what if I'm wrong right what if this person's not really a bully maybe (laughs) I'm just super sensitive yeah you know maybe there's this I don't want to name it this way because that feels exclusionary and blah 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 yeah that That's the thing that if we could wave a magic wand, have people trust themselves, Mm -hmm. boy, we could change the world. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, because so many people are in so many positions where they just don't love what they do. And I I was there. I mean, I was a burned out teacher for a while and then I wasn't. And so I got some coaching. I figured out some stuff. Um, I was really lucky to be paired with a team teacher. Um, and that helped a lot. So it's just making sure that you understand what it is that you need in your situation. And if not, then get some
1: help. Right. Because what you need is always valid. Yes. Right. Yeah. Because a lot of times we've been trained, socialized mm-hmm. and raised to think that what I need is not valid. But really, what you, whatever you need is 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 totally valid. and And that is something that a coach can really help you. Somebody, one of my clients said to me last week, the best part of coaching is you reminded me who I am. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that's like, that's the music to my ears. It's like the best thing
0: possible. Exactly. Exactly. Because so many people get lost in teaching. I mean, it it has changed so much in the past 10 years.
1: Mm -hmm. You know,
0: everything has to be data driven, you know, and I'm thinking, okay, that doesn't affect me. I teach English. How are you going to get data from an essay? or from how a student can read, and then they developed all of these wonderful tools that made my life a living hell. (laughs) So it wasn't just a rubric, but I had to, you know, and a rubric with the points to help the students understand how they learn. Then I had to take and code that into a special computer program, and then they would take that and extrapolate all this information and then tell me basically that, okay, they don't understand how to use commas. I'm like, I know that.
1: So I'm going to slightly change the subject. But have you watched uh, Ken Burns' new documentary on Vietnam? No, I haven't. So if you get a chance, it's I, and for all the listeners, it's really good. But in the very beginning, he sort of talks about, you know, what was the genesis of the Vietnam War back mm-hmm. to the 40s. And at some point, the head the, the Secretary of Defense came out of General Motors, or somebody came out of General Motors, and they began to – quantify military operations and what the soldiers said is they were collecting more data than they were soldiering yeah yeah what happened was the data got collected and then never used yeah yeah and i i i I am against widgetization i I am Uh against I mean, I like numbers and I mm-hmm. like trends and all that stuff, but sometimes we collect too much information, yeah. I think.
0: Yeah, especially at the detriment of teaching and learning. And that was my whole thing. It was like, can, can we look at this as a business? And I don't mean like a big business, even though education is a huge business. Um, but if we look at it from a business standpoint, that means that my um, customers are my students, Mm-hmm. So when we're making these rules and thinking about thinking about enacting these things, how about we think about what's best for our customers? Right. But they didn't think that that made sense. So and so and so I developed this whole theory of education. If it makes sense, we don't do it right. Oh, OK. <laughs> OK. Oh,
1: that's good to know. We're going to do
0: something true. else. Right. But yeah, but that's it's just in, extremely interesting. You know, when you think about. All of the things that happen in schools, all of the personalities, all of the students that just come through your classrooms, or if you teach in elementary schools, you know all of the students that you deal with over the course of a career, and how you bring all of these things into the classroom.
1: Right. Exactly. And you know how do you stay in love with the material? Right. Yeah. I mean, the reason you got in the the field in the first place is because you loved whatever your material yeah. is yeah yeah And to stay you know whenever anybody's burned out i always try to reconnect them with that spark yeah mm-hmm. and say you know how do you how can you fall in love with this again right right yeah.
0: and then how can you not allow those people who may be bullying you to take that from you because you know as i wrote in my book i remember the exact moment i burned out which yeah. you know, when I tell people, they're like, "That's kind of weird." I'm like, "I know, right?" But, mm. <laughs> but being a coach, I know these touch points, and I know certain things that happen that flip you from one side to the next. And so, by being able to realize that, it's help I can then help people understand the toll that um, different things take on them in their career and in their lives and you know, those kinds of things. But it's just really important that people understand that there are things that they can do when they're in difficult situations, when they're dealing with a student who's a bully, when they're dealing with a parent who's who's a bully, um, or an administrator, you know, who happens to be bullying them.
1: You know, the Gallup organization surveys Americans and their engagement at work. And, you know, something like 34% of American uh Workers, people who are employed, only thirty-four percent report roughly report that they're engaged wow. in their work. So that means the rest of us. If you're a math teacher, I'd ask you to do the math. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> the rest of us uh, are, you know, highly disengaged at work. And what what is it that creates engagement? You know, what is it for a student or a teacher or anybody? you know it is that feeling that it's it's a safe place yeah. that that it it's purposeful it means something i am valued yeah. it's important for me to be here um that i'm i'm actually offering something yeah and we have a right to that oh yeah you know we have a right to that as as educators people have a right as, to that as students yeah we have a right to that as administrators parents have the right to hope for that for their kid And so it's that sort of ideal or that that vision to drive forward to is to create that place where everybody is deeply engaged. It requires us to be alive and awake to our lives. Right. Right. And that's what's hard for folks because it takes a lot of energy. Yeah, it does.
0: It does. Especially if you feel as if you're not respected Um, as if, you know, what you do doesn't matter because no matter what they say, they're going to make me do this, you know, and that's just the worst.
1: (laughs) It's just, it's like, why get up every day and put yourself through that? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's already hard. Teaching is already hard. It's already stressful. And then to add even one more thing on the plate makes it just the worst. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. And yet... Having somebody come back, some 25 year old come back and say, you know, Ms. Shields, you are my very favorite teacher I ever had. I'd imagine there is nothing like that. feeling. Oh, my
0: gosh. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's when you think, oh, OK, all this other stuff <laughs> that that was worth it. I mean, my last year of teaching, I had a student come back and he had just graduated the year before. And I had a second semester, so it wasn't a big, long gap of time since I've seen him. And he said, I just wanted you to know that that book that we read, it was called The Other Westmore. Um, Oh,
1: yeah, I know that.
0: Yeah. And he said, that book changed my life. And I was like, okay, I don't remember him being, you know, very – excited while we were reading the book. I don't remember him participating in a whole lot of conversations or, you know, I don't remember his essay about the book being exemplary. I, I don't remember any of that. And I said, so tell me why. And he was, he said it was at the end of the book when he said that the other West, um, realized that all his life he had never made goal. He never had goals and he never had plans until he got life in prison. And then Every day for the rest of his life was planned out for him. Wow. And he said, that helped me realize that either I can go this way or that way. I can either plan my life or have my life planned for me. And he said, I even got a tattoo of it. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, wow. (laughs) So that was pretty awesome. That was pretty awesome. So in your bio, you have to say responsible for the body art of my former student. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. I think that was one of the first times that I've ever heard that. But Well, thank you so much, Michelle. This has been so informative. Um, it's my,
1: my pleasure. And, you know, uh, I go to the ends of the earth for you, my friend. So whenever, whenever, wherever you need a help, awesome. I'm right there.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, I really do appreciate you being with us today and um, I'm sure that there'll be questions about this and any questions that I don't think I can answer. I will definitely um, have you back on the show to answer those questions. My pleasure. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Cheryl Shield show. It's always a pleasure to bring you helpful information on leading happier and healthier lives. I'd love for you to help me spread the word about my brand new show. And I'd also love for you to pop over to the iTunes store and leave a rating if you like what you heard. Thanks again, and I hope you join me again in this space real soon.